Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is February 25th. Today is the last day of this week's Come Follow Me block and the last day of the Sermon on the Mount, which is such a bummer because there's so much in this sermon. It's so rich in doctrine and it's something that we should be studying several times throughout our lives. And so I'm sad to move on from the Sermon on the Mount, but excited because next week we get to study Matthew chapter 8, Mark chapters 2 through 4, and Luke chapter 7. So we have a lot to study next week, and I'm excited to dive into it with you. But for now, let's finish up this week's Come Follow Me block by continuing in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7, it says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more so shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? I love this scripture, and I love especially this ask, seek, knock. I think that that invitation to ask, seek, and knock is the most repeated invitation in the scriptures. In fact, I also love how the Savior, obviously not doing this on purpose because he originally did this in another language, but I love how ask, seek, and knock give us their own acronym, ask, right? A for ask, S for seek, and K for knock. I love that. But something that I think is so important for us to understand and realize is that in the Savior's promise that he will give and that we can find and that things will be open to us, it takes initiative on our part first. It's interesting because our Father in heaven knows what we need before we ask of it. Yet, like we've talked about this week, in the Bible dictionary, it says that prayer is not to change the will of God, but to secure for ourselves and for others blessings that God is already willing to give, but that are made conditional on our asking for them. Blessings require some work or effort on our part before we can obtain them. Prayer is a form of work, and it is an appointed means for obtaining the highest of all blessings. I love that the scriptures teach us so clearly that there is something on our part that the Lord expects so that he can reach into our lives and bless us. In the book, Teach Ye Diligently, Elder Boyd K. Packer says it this way, It is clear that the Lord wants us to come unto him and ask for whatever we need. The simple invitation to ask and it shall be given you, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you, was repeated by the Lord on many occasions. He gave this message to the people while he taught while he lived on earth. He repeated it twice to the people of the new world at the time of his visit to them following his resurrection, including his last words he gave them before returning to his Father in heaven. Interestingly, the Lord repeated the same invitation seven times in the Doctrine and Covenants. In varying ways throughout the scriptures, he has invited us to ask him for whatever we need in righteousness, that he might give it unto us. The initiative, then, is ours. We must ask and pray and seek, and then we will find. I think that this idea of taking effort to receive the blessings of our Father in heaven 
go hand in hand with what he says later in this chapter when he says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. The Savior's teaching us that we need actions, that we can't be believers in thought only, but we need to put our thoughts into action. We need to put our desires into prayer. We need to put our faith into obedience and repentance. What we do matters. And certainly our Father in heaven wants us to seek him out, wants us to ask for blessings. I love as he goes on, he compares this to our children asking gifts of us. If we had a child who asked us for bread, we're not going to give him a stone. If he asked for a fish, we're not going to give him a serpent. And in our imperfected states, we know how to give good gifts to our children. I love gift giving. Gifts are one of my love languages. And I just, it's not about the thing. It's about trying to come up with something that will make someone really excited and happy. I love gift giving. Christmas morning is like the best day ever because I love watching people open gifts that I've sought out for them. And I imagine our Father in Heaven delights just as much or probably way more than I do or that we do when he gets the opportunity to give a good gift. My husband always likes to say that when our Father in Heaven blesses us, when he gives us a good gift, Really, the gift comes in two ways. First of all, it's the answer to prayer or the blessing that he gives us. Now, obviously, that's important and it's amazing. It's something that we're seeking and it's something that we're grateful for. But almost better than that initial blessing is the opportunity that we have to see that our Heavenly Father is aware of us, that he loves us, that he's anxious to bless us. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed to find my keys, right? We all have done it. And when we find the keys, yes, I'm grateful that I found the keys, but even more so, I'm humbled and amazed that an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving Father in heaven would care enough about my keys to answer my little prayers over such superficial things. Truly, getting the opportunity to see our Father give us gifts is an opportunity to see his hand in our lives and his love for us. Such a beautiful gift and blessing that we have the opportunity to receive as we seek him out and pray for his help and guidance. Continuing on in Matthew chapter 7, the Savior is going to give us a warning. Verse 15, he says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Now, there are a couple things that I think are really important to understand, things that stand out to me here. First of all, would the Savior warn us of false prophets unless there were going to be true prophets? Does that make sense? If there were never going to be any more prophets called after the Savior, if he knew that, wouldn't he just say, beware of people who come to you claiming to be prophets? That would make a lot more sense. Instead, he says, beware of false prophets. Now, I think oftentimes we think of false prophets as people who stand up and profess to be prophets. And I think that that's a lot less common than other types of false prophets. I think a false prophet can be anyone who is trying to deceive or pull us away from God's standards, from his doctrine, from his teaching. That can be people who use social media to spread false things about the church. It can be people who write books, even people who have podcasts that target doctrines of the church and try to tear them down. It is so imperative that we are aware of these people. 
aware of what they're trying to do and aware of the fruits of what they're doing. Are the things that they do things that bring you peace, help you feel love, help you feel confidence, help you feel closer to God? Well, if not, that speaks volumes about the fruits of those false prophets. What's fascinating is later on in the book of Matthew, the Savior is going to warn that one of the hallmark signs of the second coming of Christ is going to be this widespread deception, and that that widespread deception will come in the form of false prophets and false teachers who lie in wait to ensnare and destroy faith. And we have been warned that if we aren't careful, if we aren't clinging to the word of God, that even the very elect can be deceived. My friends, we can know that there are true prophets on the earth today. We can know them through the Spirit, and we can know them through their fruits. I think we have to be careful about that, though, because oftentimes people think, well, if we know them by their fruits, then they need to be these perfect people who only do good and righteous and perfect things, right? Well, we don't believe in an infallible leadership. We don't believe that our prophets and apostles are perfect men, but they do produce fruit that help us to know that they come from God. The Book of Mormon is the fruit of Joseph Smith, and it can help us know that Joseph Smith was indeed a prophet of God. The testimony that we find in that book can be a testimony that teaches us of the truthfulness of the restoration through the prophet Joseph Smith. My friends, I testify that there are prophets and apostles on the earth today, prophets sent and set apart to teach us how to come closer to our Father in heaven, to teach us about Christ, and to help us return to them again someday. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen. 